0: Jesus. I just praise you and I thank you Lord for your word. Lord that we can live by your word. Lord that you just didn't give us a whole bunch of tools and not tell us how to use them. But Lord, you gave us a manual on how to live this life and what pleases you and what keeps us away from danger and Lord um your ways and your heart. Lord that we would read your word, seeing ourselves and then leaving and saying, "Lord, Change me. Help me. Or, Lord, if you are encouraging us because we're going the right way, that we would feel encouraged and that we would say, thank you, Lord. And then that we would see who you really are. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Jesus, I just pray you'd speak through me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I mean, just off the topic really quick, when Ashley said, you know, next week is December, At this time of year, I'm always stuck at the end of the summer. I'm like, where did the summer go? (laughs) Like, it was just August. Like, you know, everything rushes. As you get older, the year rushes by. You know, I used to, when I was younger, I used to wait until, like, school was done. And then, man, I had the summer. And, And then you start to think, well, I only had a few weeks. And I thought that was, whoa, you know. Then as you get older and you keep your clock by different things that you're doing, you realize that time is running. And you don't have that much time, you know. So it echoes the words of Moses, Lord, help us to number our days, you know. Um, yeah, Time didn't pass this quickly when I was, you know, when I was in my teens and stuff like that. But, yeah, it is flying by. And um, I was also amazed this morning when Craig told me that, I don't know if you guys have met – our friend Arthur—he's new, well, newer. He's been here for a few weeks. Arthur, right here at the front, but he told me that tomorrow is Arthur's 98th birthday. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know how I'm always talking about, you know, like start well, maintain well, and finish well. Hey, he's—he's he's just still maintaining. So praise the Lord. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that he loves the Lord, and um, he loves the Lord's Word. So. That's that's a beautiful thing. So let's jump in. So we are, um, you know, chapter two of Judges left us off that the Israelites, after Joshua and their leaders who had seen the glory of the Lord, seen his mighty works. It said that they they began to fail, you know, they began to and and we we kind of zoomed in on and magnified that they actually failed Um, Because when we read that, we might say, oh, it was because they didn't see God work. So God didn't do anything for them. uh, But we realize that it was actually them not getting to know the Lord, not realizing what God was doing in their lives. And then he said that he would um, discipline them like a good father, like we find out in the New Testament. And it says that he would discipline them, wanting them to come back to what was good. Come back to him who will preserve their lives. To come back to the one who had given them all these gifts that they were squandering. You know, I explained to one of my daughters the other day, because I, sometimes I use larger terms, which I try not to use, you know. So I said, you don't, you don't want to squander this. And they're like, what the heck is squander? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Waste it. To waste it on needless things on stupidity. So when we squander the money that the Lord has given us, it's when we waste it on stupidity or on sin or places we shouldn't be. When we squander our life, it's when we are wasting it on things that pass away and are not eternal, and we are just fixated on those things. And the Lord's like, lift up your eyes to what is eternal and more important. And then I would say I, I'm not somebody that is very, um, let's say, like self-righteous on on like money spending or things like that, because I believe that the Lord gave us and he gives us wealth so that we can bless him. But we also he also blesses us with it and we can enjoy the good things that he gives us, even if it's a pound. We can enjoy that. you You don't have to feel bad when the Lord gives you a pound. I'm like, oh, man, you know, I need to look poor for everybody, you know, <laughs> so that I look more holy. That's a lie. That's a lie from the devil, you know? So if you're, you know, you're hitting the Lord's hand away because, no, no, I shouldn't be blessed. I, sh- I should be poor like my brothers and sisters, you know, in somewhere else. Maybe the Lord's trying to bless you so you could serve your brothers and sisters, you know? So we need to look at things with the Lord's eyes not with the lenses that this world gives us. Um, So then we come to this place where we know that um, the Lord, there's nations left. And one thing that we'll find is even some of the tribes that had gained ground while Joshua was around, they lose that ground after Joshua is dead. So there's that picture for us that, man, we can... Sometimes be in this place that seems like a beautiful place and we're growing in maturity, but but we can make wrong decisions and shrink back. Uh, Somebody once said that the Christian life is not a static life where you gain ground and you stay there. It's either you're moving forward or slipping backwards. It's either progress or regress. And it's the same way in the life of a church. You know, if, you, if we find a mix, oh, this works for us. This is exactly what we want. Guess what? After years, we are going to be a dying church because we are not looking for the Lord and seeing how he wants to move forward, how he wants us to seek him and to serve those around him and to minister. Because as we, as we serve the Lord, we find that a ministry that w- worked like 10 years ago, isn't really working anymore, and maybe the Lord has a new method he wants us to use that isn't in sin. You know, I'm not talking about, uh, oh yeah, he wants a new method. The new way to raise money for the church would be to beat up kids on the corner. You know, that, that's, no, that doesn't work. That's against the Lord. We need to look at his word and say, you know what, that would be against the Lord. All right, we're not gonna, we're not gonna start uh, selling illegal items out of the back door. <laughs> to raise funds. That's not right before the Lord. He wants us to live right before him. Uh, but let's say, you know, uh, a certain uh, Bible study was working, right, and really ministering to people. But sometimes maybe that night of the Bible study, it's not the Bible, that not studying the Bible that went bad, but maybe, and it didn't go bad, maybe the Lord just isn't using it anymore, and he wants a new Bible study at a new time, <laughs> or something like that you know so we need to be okay and not be so connected to what we think is our job before the lord our job is to worship him to obey him to follow after him and to go that way anyway verse one these are the nations that the lord left in the land to test those israelites who had not experienced the wars of canaan he did this to teach warfare to the generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. These are the nations, the Philistines, those living under the five Philistine rulers. In the original translation, it says the five Philistine lords, the highest on the ladder, the chiefs, right? But little do they know that Israel Serves the Lord of Lords. The one that is above lords. You know, that's why he's called the king of kings. He has no king above him. He is the king of the kings. You understand? Like like he's saying, listen, I am above. Like Isaiah told us and, and we're told by the prophets, his ways are way above our ways. In other words... They're saying he is a higher being. There is no one above him. There is no demon that can prop himself up above him. There is no devil, no Lucifer that can take him out. Remember, that was Lucifer's failing, thinking in his mind and in his heart that he could be God, and God had to show him, no, I'm sorry, you can't be God. And we find that God did not even raise a hand against him. He didn't need to. He sent one of his guys. And we've talked about this before, the might of God's angels. I mean, when the Lord says, oh, he will put his angels to guard him. Most of the time, he just has to put one angel to guard somebody because uh, like we see that in the book of Daniel, for instance, it says that the one angel, the archangel, Michael was fighting legions of demons on his own just so that the message could get through to Daniel because the prince of Persia, who was, who was a, a principality, a demon or, or a demon king, was stopping the message from coming or trying to stop the message from coming. And Gabriel comes and he says to Daniel, you know, I've been working here to get here, but the Lord sent our mighty warrior, Michael, to take care of business. And that's why I'm here. Guys, he sends one. Sends one. I mean, to me, it's just the might of the Lord. So we're seeing that Israel made a problem for themselves, but they had the might of the Lord on their side. The might of the Lord was with them. So even though they messed up, the Lord was like, I'm going to teach you. I don't hate you. I don't reject you. I'm going to come in swooping in, and I will use your mess up to teach you. Only God can do that. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, only God can use our consequences of our actions to strengthen us. But he tells us this over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He tells us that he will use whatever, whatever is available to make his way so if we've messed up in life sometimes we have this guilt i messed up we'll say the phrase that my father told me when i was about 26 years old and he said to me i am too far gone that's a lie of the enemy right there because if you're still living and breathing there is there is a chance There is a time for change, even if that living and breathing is only for one more second. You have a second to confess before the Lord and for him to save your life. You have time, right? But that's the lie of the enemy. I'm too far gone. I've done too much. Israel could have been like this. I've done too, we've failed too much. And sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we enter into sin and we say, I've done too much. I might as well stay here in my sin and wallow in it and, and kind of spin around like pigs in the mud. And the Lord's like, get up out of the mud. You are not a pig. You are my precious sheep. Out of the mud, please. But sometimes we don't want to listen. How The amount of times I've spoken to young men and young women who used to sit here with us And they say, ooh, I'm too ashamed to come back to church. You know, I've been in sin. And they said, have you come out of sin? No, I'm just staying there. That's our human tendency. Right? We say, you know, I've already failed. I might as well stay in the little bit of pleasure I can feel now. Right? But what happens is the wages of sin is candy floss no no i got that one wrong the wages of sin is death death and i say this often if sin paid its wages up front many of us wouldn't wouldn't comply if they were like hey i want to you know i want to pay you up front i'll, I'll give you a half up front <laughs> no thank you because we think like it says in proverbs like you know Yesterday, we were studying in Proverbs, and there's this quote in Proverbs that plays in my mind over and over again. It says, Can a man scoop hot coals up onto his lap and not be burnt? That is sin. All right? And I have to remind myself about this. Why? Because we're people that are fixated on the hot coals. You know, especially young men, make a fire and watch them. They will stare at that flame. We like fire. (laughs) I mean, you know, I have the log burner in my house, those of you that have been over, and and nowadays when it's cold, I, I turn on the log burner, and I can actually just stare at the flames for a long time, right? It's just a picture of how fixated we get over things that are dangerous, right? We sit there, and what does Paul say about young men? He tells us in the book of Titus, teach the young men this whole manual, right? No, he says one thing. He says, teach the young men self-control. That's it. That's his long list. Teach the young men how to control themselves from their burning desires. You ever notice why young men die quicker than young women because we're idiots that's why like honestly like you know i i grew up with uh, five brothers right you stand at the edge of a building and you say i bet i could land <laughs> our sister was never up there with us <laughs> guys if i get a bin bag and use it as a parachute i bet i could land and one time, I'm standing on top of this one story. It's one story. You know, we're only 15 feet up, and I'm with my brothers. And I'm like, I am not a young man anymore, right? But there is a pile of snow down there. And I say, yo, I should jump off the roof into the pile of snow. Little did I know, it was a pile of ice. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't compute that, <laughs> right? And I just said, Wee. <laughs> And the guys are like, bro, you okay? I'm like, I'm fine, man. I think my back isn't okay, though. <laughs> the stupid things that young men do, right? Really, really dumb. Now, I'm not going to say that's why my brother hurt himself this past week. He's not young anymore. Stupid things old men do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was it was actually an accident. Um, but we see... That the Lord is going to use their failure to refine them. To me, that's that's amazing. Because usually you can use your failure to berate, you know, they can use your failure to berate you, right? Usually that's what parents do. You remember when you did this? <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. I remember, you know. <laughs> I pray that we we aren't like that too much but yeah sometimes it's good for our failures to be brought back so that we remember and we're brought back to so- sobriety and we think oh yeah i'm not superman or i'm not superwoman i do fail you know so parents usually remind us of that you know, hey remember when i don't want to say i told you so but <laughs> but i told you so you know but the lord he reminds us but at the same time he uses our failures And what I would say, a flipped around, Romans 8.28. You guys remember Romans 8.28? For God uses all things, right? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Even our mess ups. Even our bad choices and our failures. He uses to teach us, to refine us in the same way he was doing it for Israel back then, right? He did this to teach them warfare to generations of Israels. Now, we look at that in a New Testament type of way, right? We're told in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, that we do not battle against flesh and blood. Most of the time, we can kind of calm our anxiety to figure out that it's not the next-door neighbor that, that is bothering me, that is, like, killing my life, right? The enemy is using the next-door neighbor to bring me anxiety. And you know what the Lord does? Sometimes he doesn't even change that next-door neighbor. As I pray, he changes me, and what they do don't bother me anymore. Right, But sometimes we're like, Lord, I don't want you to change me. I want you to kill them. Or make them fall asleep for 12 months until I regain my sanity, you know, or whatever. But the Lord is at work. You know, so the Lord's going to use their failure to refine them. They didn't trust the Lord. Therefore, there was a whole bunch of um, things around, uh, other nations that were going to bother them. And like the Lord said, we're going to become a thorn in their own side because they didn't get rid of it. Right. In other words, they didn't purge, you know, that word purge in the new Testament, we're told, and we should liken this to our sinful nature, right? Sometimes we allow Our sinful nature to still rule and our sinful nature rules. And then we allow the enemy in to help our other enemy, which is our flesh. So we give the enemy a foothold, our flesh and the devil in our own lives because we're not willing to purge or we're not willing to allow the Lord to purge our lives. To utterly annihilate the thing that holds us back, right? So the Lord was saying, hey, go out there, purge the land of the inhabitants, and it will be yours. The Lord tells us, hey, go out in victory in your own life. Purge the sins that that try to kill you, that haunt you. I have given you the power to purge them, to get rid of them, to not be part of them anymore. You are not, bound. What's the scripture tell us? What the son has set free or he who the son has set free is free indeed. You know what I find in my own life? Sometimes I'm comfortable in bondage. Yeah. It's what I know. Jesus is standing at the gate of my prison and he's saying, the door is open. Come out. And I say, no, no, no. I like my anxiety. I feel comfortable here. I've always had it. No, no, I like my stresses. I like my depression. I'm comfortable. And the Lord says, come out. You're free. My strength is your joy. I want to bless your life. And we say, but it's warm in here. And it's all I know. Right? Freedom is scary. Especially if you've been in maximum security for a long time. And the Lord says, come on, let's go. I'm not saying that you, you don't experience a depression or sadness in the freedom of the Lord. But you may experience with the king of kings next to you, helping you, strengthening you to go through that valley of the shadow of death so if you experience those things today alone that's your choice you have chosen to experience them alone in your cage when the lord is saying come on come on out i remember the first day that we bought our puppy named pepper you know pepper the puppy right She is totally different from 12 months ago 12 months ago we brought her home, and she was shivering, scared. And we sat her in her bed, and she stayed in her bed for three days just watching us. And we're like, come on, puppy. And she's like, okay. Everybody act like we don't see her. <laughs> you know." And if you come to my house today, like um, let's say like uh, Pastor Juan comes to the house every day. Every day she barks at Pastor Juan. Like, she's never met the man before. <laughs> That's the way she is, you know? But then when she sees me enter the room or or Claire enter the room or the girls enter the room, man, it's like the party just came home. She is, she's jumping around. She's happy. She's acting like a little fawn, just jumping around the house, you know? Her family has come home. Sometimes we act like that scared puppy with the Lord. Come out. I'm not going to hurt you. I actually want to love you and have victory, sing victory over you, and I want you to see beauty in this life come out of the cage. And though we've made these choices, I mean, remember, just like Israel, just like us, God wipes away the guilt, but sometimes the consequences of our actions still stay, right? Sometimes. I've seen the Lord get rid of some of the consequences in my life, too. He's been good. But there are choices and decisions that we have made in our lives that those consequences still stand next to us and say, I'm still here. Remember? And it's only the Lord that takes those consequences and he says, I will use this sandpaper to file you down refine you, to make you better, to make you more like a child of the king, because that's who he wants us to be. Sometimes we live like children of the darkness, little beggars just sitting there saying, "Um," you know. Think about it in your own way. When people ask you, how are you doing, and then your first instinct is to complain about the week. It was hard. My leg fell off. The car blew up. I didn't really blow up, but it should have blown up. But, you know, my job is just unbearable, and I just can't take it, and I'm just waiting to die. You're like, oh, glad you had a good week. And I'm not saying to hide what's happening. I'm saying to have the Lord's perspective on things right? Hey, listen, I know life can be really bad at times. And I have an older brother that says to me, why are you always looking on the bright side? (laughs) And I've answered him, because if I didn't, I'd die. (laughs) But with the Lord, there is always hope. There is always goodness coming. Even if everything is bad and it's all corrupt and everything has fallen apart and they're about to kill you, you have hope. You have hope because you, my friends, will live forever with Christ, who will come and make all things right. He will straighten out the crooked places, He will come and wipe the tears from our eyes. That's the Lord. He'll do it. So instead of getting all grumpy about it, know that the Lord is using it. The Lord is using it. So, you know, uh, I take this uh, 1 Samuel 12, verse 20, and I'll give you the backstory: Israel is sick and tired of the judges. They're kind of, they want to be like the nations around them. And they go to Samuel, and they say, Samuel, we want a king. We want a king, Samuel. And Samuel's like, did I not lead you well enough? Is God not your king? So then Samuel anoints the king that the Lord, which is Saul. He anoints Saul. Saul becomes the king, and they're standing there before Samuel, and Samuel Through the Lord lets them know, you have sinned against the Lord for asking for a king. You have sinned. And the people start to mourn. And this is Samuel's answer back to them. You have sinned against the Lord. You have failed him. But hear what the Lord is saying to you. And this is 1 Samuel 12 verse 20. And it says this. It says, don't be afraid. Samuel reassured them. You you have angered God. You have sinned against him, but you are his children. Don't be afraid. Samuel reassured them. You have certainly done wrong, but make sure now that you worship the Lord with all your heart and turn and don't turn your back on him. So sometimes when we fail the Lord, we just continue on our way. What's the Lord saying? Hey, even though you failed, repent come back it's okay i'll make it okay again i will refine you i will grow you i will cover you you are my children i love you just a little um side one josephine comes into me this morning and it's pitch black, and Claire's downstairs already. She gets up early and starts getting things ready. I'm, I am a night owl. Um, the, sun f- the sunrise does not interest me. Um, sorry. I, I know it's not very holy. but um, So Josephine comes into me, and the room is dark, and she goes, Daddy, you're going to be mad with me. And I said, What is it, Josephine? I'm still half asleep. What is it, Josephine? And she goes, I weed myself. (laughs) And I said, Josephine, I'm not mad at you. It's not what I don't get mad at you for weeding yourself. Just let's clean you up. Let's get you cleaned up. You know, sometimes we think that about the Lord, right? Why am I going to be angry about an accident? (laughs) Right? But she knows that I tried to, me and Claire, her mother, tried to reinforce using the toilet. That's a good thing. (laughs) You know, the toilet's good, right? But if there is an accident, it's okay. And we are the same way with the Lord, right? We've messed up, and we think, I'm not going to go to him. He's going to be mad at me. But I would say if we find ourselves in this place, if we find ourselves in our mess up and the consequences are laying all around us and they live close, they're pushing us out of our own home or whatever it is, that we would go to the Lord, that we wouldn't wallow in our sin. We would go to the Lord and repent and say, Lord, I confess I've messed up. Lord, I confess. Lord, help me to not keep making this mistake. Lord, you are good. Help me to walk in the light as you are in the light. That's what John told us, to walk in the light as he is in the light, to just try to mirror his ways. Don't get caught up in the sin that's in the darkness. Just walk in the light as he is in the light. Next week we'll talk a bit more about this. Um, we only you know, got to about verse three, these are the nations, the Philistines, those living under the five Philistine rulers, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, the Hivites living in the mountains of Lebanon, Lebanon from Mount Balhaman to Libo Hamath. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands the Lord had given to their ancestors through moses so the lord already knew the outcome the lord already knew their hearts but most of the time the lord's testing in us is to refine us and to help us see who we are a lot of times we're like peter right lord i'm with you till the end baby soldier right like we're like lord i'm a warrior and then all of a sudden the scariness comes out and we're like ah And Jesus is like, I I knew you were going to do that, but you didn't know you were going to do that. (laughs) You know, we, Lord, I'm with you. I don't fail. I won't fail you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But the Lord tests us, too, so that we know our own hearts. Sometimes we're, hey, strong for the Lord. And then hard times come, and we are weak. We are weak. The Lord tests us to refine us. And if we allow him to work in our lives, and I've said this before, I haven't said it in a while, but one thing I found as I was growing in the Lord was the Lord brings hardship to those that he loves so that he can refine them. It is a blessing he's bringing to them. And a lot of times we hit it away and we don't want the hardship. Get me out of the fire. I don't want this. And the Lord's like, just stay a while with me. I'll get you through. I'll walk with you. Just lean on me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us as we walk with you, Lord. Lord, sometimes the consequences of our actions, they overwhelm us, Lord. But Lord, Lord, Help us to hold on to knowing that you are faithful even when we are faithless. Lord, help us to understand that you will use all things. You will work everything for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. That we would be patient with what you're doing and look to you and trust you and be filled with joy knowing our, our Savior is on the case is helping us. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.